In the United States, up to 40% of food is never eaten. So the way that I like to visualize that is that if you go grocery shopping and you buy five bags worth of produce and you're walking out into the parking lot and you drop two of those bags and you don't even look back, that's the equivalent of how much food is going to waste in the United States every year. Americans are wasting a lot of food. $400 billion is spent on wasted food every year. In the U.S., food takes up more space in landfills than anything else. Americans throw away enough food every year to fill 730 football stadiums. Fruits and vegetables were thrown out the most, followed by dairy and meat. But why are we wasting so much food? Are we just buying more than we can eat? Or is the problem bigger than what's in our shopping carts? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. It's that time of year when many people around the world are preparing to gather with family and friends. And whether celebrating a holiday or not, food will no doubt be a central part of those gatherings. So we wanted to explore just how much food is in danger of going to waste in the U.S. My name is Madeline Keating, and I am a city strategist with the NRDC. You heard Madeline at the beginning of this episode. She works for the Natural Resources Defense Council, NRDC. It's a nonprofit dedicated to fighting for every person's right to clean air, clean water, and a healthy community. And food is a part of that. There's a big disparity between how much of our food is going to waste at every step of the food supply chain. And meanwhile, about 10.5% of Americans are food insecure. Do you think that's a thing that most people are cognizant of when they're at the grocery store shopping for that week or those two weeks of meals? I think that most people think that they waste less food than they do. NRDC actually did a report, and we found that about 76% of people surveyed thought they wasted less than their neighbor. It's something that all of us do in some capacity, but the reality is that many Americans are wasting much more in their households than they think they are. Many of us think that food waste is bad because we're just putting perfectly edible food into the trash when we've either let it spoil or we've had too much and we're full. But the consequences go beyond just that. What is the biggest repercussion of food waste? Food waste is a big issue because it's interconnected with environmental, social, and financial costs. So first of all, food waste is a big contributor to global greenhouse gas emissions. When it goes to a landfill, it emits methane gas, which is really detrimental to our climate. But also, you've got a lot of social and financial impacts associated with food waste. So let's break down both of those points. I'd love to start with the first one, climate change, because I don't think that climate change is one that immediately comes to mind when people think food waste. So you might think, most of my food comes from the ground. It's natural. So what's the problem with putting it back in the ground in, in a landfill? Talk to me about why that's a problem and, and where methane comes in. Yeah, that's a great question. It's really important to talk about because a lot of times when people think about climate change, they want to talk about 
transportation and energy efficient buildings and renewable energy. And those things are all really important, but our food system plays a big role in greenhouse gas emissions. Ultimately, if food ends up in a landfill, it's not breaking down into a nutrient-dense amendment, say compost. It's actually rotting and releasing methane gas, which is what happens when food doesn't have access to oxygen. And methane gas is about 80 times more potent than CO2. It's a massive part of our greenhouse gas emission problem. The other thing about landfills is that also incinerators. So incinerators are when you actually go burn the trash and about 80% of landfills and incinerators are actually located on indigenous lands or in communities of color. So they're disproportionately polluting those communities, which really makes it an equity issue as well. And then on the second point about the cost of food waste, can you break down what those costs look like? So are we talking about the cost of going to the grocery store, spending X amount of money and not eating that food? Is that simply it or is it more? It's more than that. So when you think about those two bags that you left in the parking lot, all of the food that's in there was grown and planted and transported and processed and sold. There's costs that go into every single part of that system. So on the farm, a lot of food can't even be harvested and those are called farm losses. And so the farm is taking a hit. When it's transported and food is having to get transported from across the country, a lot of that food might spoil. And that is a cost. You're also paying for the transportation costs. You've got the land that is growing food that is going to waste. Actually, the EPA recently released a report saying that the agricultural land going to food that is going to waste is about the size of California and New York combined. Wow. Some estimates show food waste costs the United States about $408 billion per year. So billions of dollars of perfectly edible food going in the trash. Good nutritional surplus food is going in the trash instead of on the plates of people that need it. And that's not to say that rescuing that surplus food is a solution to hunger and the underlying causes of food insecurity. But redirecting good food is a really important step in emergency food assistance for people who need it. Not to mention the costs on people's wallets within their households. The average American family, they actually waste about $1,500 a year on food that they don't eat. And then also it's costing businesses. The impacts just permeate through every step of the food supply chain. So Madeline, why do we waste so much? So just to paint a picture, a lot of times farmers can't actually get all of their food harvested for a number of different reasons like labor and costs. You might lose food in the transportation across the country trying to get food to a manufacturer or a processor. And one of the things that I always think is very fascinating is that in terms of consumer behavior, grocery stores will a lot of times fill up their shelves so they can show abundance. Mm. Consumers don't want to go and take the last apple. They want to go see a shelf full of apples and be able to have choice there. But that can lead to waste. And then you're seeing this waste when people bring food home to their houses where they might not be consuming all the food that they purchased. And then they might not have access to composting or some way to recycle those food scraps. Is this all about eating less to waste less or buying less food to waste less? Is this an individualized problem or is it bigger than that? 
we don't want to fully put this on the individual, but of the 40% of food that's being wasted, about 40% of that is coming from households. So there is a lot to say about consumer education and behavior change, but that's definitely not all. There is a lot that needs to happen in terms of policy change and in terms of investments and in terms of infrastructure and so much more. So for example, a lot of municipalities and regional entities don't have infrastructure to process a lot of food scraps. Another example is date labeling. So if you go to the grocery store, you might see a carton of milk that says best by some date. And those actually aren't federally regulated, those dates. And so it causes quite a lot of confusion across the food supply chain as to whether that food can be consumed. So policies that tackle those kinds of issues that are causing confusion can be a big part of the solution. What would that one look like? Because it's not an expiration date. Sometimes a product will have an expiration date, but oftentimes, like you said, it's a best buy, which just means you will get your freshest, best quality by this date, but that doesn't mean you can't eat it after that date. So how would you even begin to educate consumers on that fact? Yeah, there's a lot of confusing labels. They're not consistent. So the confusion comes from the fact that if you go and you buy milk and it has a best buy date on it, say tomorrow, all of a sudden tomorrow that milk isn't going to kill you Mm -hmm. or even probably make you sick. That milk is probably perfectly fine, but people have this date in mind that means it's bad and it's going to make them sick but really it has nothing to do with food safety. So actually in December, 2021, the Food Date Labeling Act was introduced, Mm. which would help to end this consumer confusion around food date labeling. And with the intention of helping people understand what they can safely consume and even donate by standardizing those labels. So you and your colleagues at the Natural Resources Defense Council or NRDC have come up with several different programs and alternatives to address food waste. Tell me about some of them that excite you the most. So we're doing quite a lot. The NRDC, in partnership with the Harvard Food Law and Policy Clinic, ReFed, and the World Wildlife Fund in April 2021, released the U.S. Food Loss Waste and Action Plan to really outline the federal leadership that is needed to achieve our national food waste reduction goal. And our national food waste reduction goal is with the EPA, and it's a 50% reduction in food waste by 2030. So it includes things like investing in infrastructure to measure, rescue, recycle, and prevent organic waste from entering landfills and incinerators. It includes expanding incentives to really operationalize surplus food donation and strengthen regional supply chains. Madeline says that if supply chains are tightened by making them more regionally based, so food doesn't have to be transported longer distances, then they'll be stronger. And that will help stop disruption in the food system when events like pandemics or natural disasters happen. The action plan also gets at this piece of like household food waste and behavior change by encouraging the federal government to adopt some sort of consumer education campaign. And it also includes a national date labeling standard. We're also excited to see states taking a leading role on food waste reduction. This year, Maryland became the ninth state to pass some version of an organics ban from the landfill, which is a really great way to ensure that 
businesses and residents are getting up to speed with not sending food to the landfill. Let's stay in Maryland because I know your organization has worked with cities like Baltimore to combat food waste. So talk to me about what you all are doing there. So another part of our work to reduce food waste is identifying cities and regions as key partners in driving down food waste since it's a very localized problem. So we've created the Food Matters Regional Initiative, which works with 15 cities in three different regions to build programs and policies in partnership with city teams to drive down food waste. And Baltimore is one of our participants in that project. Baltimore creates 430,000 tons of trash every year. And the majority of this waste is incinerated. Also, one in four Baltimore residents lives with limited access to healthy foods. But the city wants to change its relationship with food waste. My name is Kristen Oldendorf, and I'm chief of the Office of Waste Diversion for Department of Public Works, Bureau of Solid Waste for Baltimore City. Kristen told us that since 2016, the Baltimore Office of Sustainability has been working with stakeholders around the city to reduce food waste. So in this work, we're really trying to look holistically at food waste. We've done some work with the Maryland Food Bank and actually created like a food rescue assessment. And we've also worked with the Baltimore City Health Department and health inspectors so that they can be informed about opportunities to donate food and can inform businesses that they interact with about those opportunities for food donation. But the city is also clear in its role to reduce waste. Baltimore City currently sends the trash it collects to either the city-owned landfill or to a privately owned waste-to-energy facility. And our goal is to reduce the amount of waste that we're sending to those facilities and really increase our waste diversion and waste reduction. And this year, Baltimore started a program where food scraps from residents can be composted. So starting in mid-July, we opened up food scrap drop-off locations at our five residential drop-off centers. And those locations have collected 25,500 pounds of food scraps that have gone to be composted. Composting has become a goal for the city government. They've offered free workshops to residents to teach them how to do it and ramp up community composting at community gardens. But composting has also become a source of employment for others. My name is Marvin Hayes, and I'm the youth program manager for the Baltimore Compost Collective. We are a youth-led food scrap collection service, and we serve the amazing Filbert Street Garden, which I like to call the Wakanda of South Baltimore, where we don't make vibranium, but we do make black leaf gold compost. The Baltimore Compost Collective started with five customers, but now they pick up food scraps from 120 clients. We are on a mission to starve the incinerator and feed the soil and feed the community. So we pick up food scraps and we bring it back to the garden. We process them through a process called composting. And we make soil enhancer for our residents who rent 47 raised beds at the garden, who live in a food insecure, food apartheid neighborhood. Marvin calls himself an environmental justice leader. And through the Compost Collective, he's been hiring high school students to collect food scraps and compost them. I'm a compost fever long hauler. I've been educating Baltimore City causing a composting pandemic. The only true way to zero waste is through education. Would I tell you six years ago that I would have worms in my basement? 
doing vermiculture, having them eat my food scraps, telling my buddies to please, you know, all of your food scraps into my worm bin. But it's because I was educated. So it's my due diligence to educate Baltimore City about composting and where your trash goes and how it affects the people in those areas. They put incinerators and landfills in poor neighborhoods, but the wind doesn't segregate or discriminate. So we're all breathing in bad air. So Madeline, from the local level to the national level, I know that your organization is also pushing the federal government to address this problem. And this year, the U.S. and other nations met in Europe at the United Nations Climate Change Conference, or COP26, and the Biden administration agreed to some things that were related to methane emissions. So what is the U.S. government doing to tackle emissions from food waste? Estimates suggest that about 8 to 10 percent of global greenhouse gas emissions are associated with food that's not consumed. A lot of those greenhouse gas emissions are methane. So in response to that, the White House Office of Domestic Climate Policy drafted the U.S. Methane Emissions Reduction Action Plan, which is a plan that outlines key steps to cut pollution and consumer costs specifically from methane. And food waste reduction and keeping methane-emitting materials out of our landfills is a key strategy identified in that U.S. Methane Emissions Reduction Action Plan. The U.S. EPA is also paying attention. They just recently published a quantitative report underscoring the importance of reducing food waste to address climate change. Of note, the report found that Food waste has the greenhouse gas equivalent of more than 42 coal-fired power plants. That's a significant number. And so these plans and these reports by the federal government are just really good to see because it means that they're starting to pay more attention to this issue. Many of our listeners will be entering a holiday weekend and holiday couple of weeks. So what advice do you have for people who are prepared to feast or prepared to go out with family and friends and eat a lot and maybe eye what's left on their plates or eye what's on the menu and wonder if they should order more? What would you tell them? Just think about where the food that you're purchasing is coming from and think about whether you think you're going to be able to consume it. Because if you can't consume it, There are other people that can, and that food shouldn't go to waste. So if you go to a restaurant, your eyes are a bit bigger than your stomach, take those leftovers home and eat them. If you go to the grocery store and you're planning a big feast, make a list in advance and be intentional and mindful about your purchases. NRDC actually has an amazing resource, especially for people during the holidays. It's called savethefood.com. And we have a tool called the Guestimator, and you can actually go in and say, I've got five guests, one of them doesn't eat a lot, one of them eats a lot, and I want this many meals of leftovers. And it'll give you an idea of exactly how much food you can eat. It's an amazing resource. I use it all the time. I love that. I can't wait to play with it. We will post a link on our social feeds at AJ The Take. Madeline Keating, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And that's The Take. If you like this episode, head to Spotify and leave us a review. It helps get our show out to more people who don't know about it. And we'd love to hear from you. This episode was produced by Ney Alvarez with Ruby Zaman, Priyanka Tilvey, 
Nagin Oliai, Alexandra Locke, Amy Walters, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is the sound designer. Aya Elmilek is our engagement producer. Tom Fenton is our story editor, and Stacey Samuel is the Takes executive producer. We'll be back.